Well, we're going to continue our series on Romans chapter 12. Last week we dealt with the first verse uh, of being a living sacrifice. That is the holy and uh, acceptable worship that we offer to God is to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And today I want to deal with verse 2, which is about the not conforming to the world, but being transformed in your mind. So if we could look at verse 2 of Romans chapter 12. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I think one of the greatest needs that we have as believers is to have our minds renewed. Our minds renewed. When we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, what happens is that we are born again spiritually. In John chapter 3 and verse 3, we see, unless one is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And we are born again. But that takes place in the spiritual realm. It doesn't take place in the body. It doesn't take place in the mind. We are born again spiritually. Um, the man's spirit is born again. We, are, we were spiritually dead. We were separated from God. But now we have eternal life and we have fellowship with God. But our mind and our bodies stay the same. It's only our spirit that's been recreated. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So if you had old thoughts before your conversion... Uh, as you walk out of church after receiving Jesus Christ into your as your personal Savior or uh, out of your bedroom or stuff, the thoughts that you had before probably are the thoughts that you have. If you had relational problems before, you probably have relational problems afterwards. If you had financial problems uh, before, you probably had financial problems uh, afterwards. If your body, in your body, if you were tall, a dark, and 10 kilograms overweight, after your conversion uh, and your salvation experience, you would probably still be tall, dark, and 10 kilograms overweight. Sorry about that. <laughs> so our, our minds and our bodies don't change. They stay the same. We were once dead and separated from God, but now spiritually we are alive and we have fellowship with God. Uh, we are uh, part of the family of God. We are on our way to heaven. We know the righteousness of God. And there is no condemnation. As Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. However, our minds still need transforming. What is a mind? Mind is a place where your emotions are seated, where your personality is, your will is. It's where your thinking takes place, your reasoning, your imagining takes place. These are where the senses operate. And we make decisions from our senses. It's the seat of emotions. Our feelings are there. And they change according to the circumstances and what we're going through uh, in life. Our will is in the mind as well. The power to make decisions, the power to change. And Paul says that we need to be transformed by the renewing of the mind. In other words, to use church language, we need to be sanctified soulishly. We need to be changed within our minds. Our minds, our emotions, our will, our senses, our personality, our desires all change. If you smoked before you got converted, 
the likelihood is that you're going to smoke afterwards as well. And the soul and the spirit are not the same. They're different. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. It says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Okay, that's talking about, Paul, uh, the writer of Hebrews is talking, it's not Paul, is talking about, we don't know who it is, I think it's Luke maybe, uh, is talking about the, the Bible as a sharp two-edged sword. And it penetrates even the dividing there of soul and spirit. Joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So it's only the word of God that can divide the soul and the spirit. Sometimes they look so similar, but it's only the word of God that can divide and differentiate the, between the two. The soul is the thing in our lives that causes the trouble. Mm, 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 mm. If you think carnally, it's going to come out as carnal behavior. Let's look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 5 and 6. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death. The mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. A spiritual mind brings peace, fellowship, Spiritual mind allows us to experience the privileges of what it is to be born again. But the carnal mind does just the opposite. It's only the spiritual mind that allows us to experience that abundant life that Jesus spoke about in John chapter 10 and verse 10. Paul says, the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God. It's hostile towards God. So when we talk in church or at community and we speak the word of God and we talk, let's talk finance. We're going to give to the Lord. The Bible says, give and it will be given. The Bible also says, bring your tithe to the storehouse. So, no, no, that's only for Christians. Uh, very committed Christians. It's only for pastors. We, we, I don't believe that. You see, the carnal mind has kicked into gear there, and we are resisting that. How about, ooh, that woman has just made me so angry. I'm going to give her a piece of my mind. But then the spirit mind says, just, just be cool. Just give her grace. Maybe she's going through a rough time. Just, just be cool with her, and just be gracious and kind. Be patient with her. The Bible says be patient. But you go ahead and you give her a piece of your mind anyway, and then they know just how loving and kind and patient you really are. Why? Because the carnal mind has kicked in. The mind fluctuates, the positive and spiritual to the negative and carnal. It fluctuates all the time. But the choice remains with you. It remains with you. And this is our challenge all the time. And Paul tells us right at the beginning of this verse, in verse 2, it says, Do not conform to this world. Let's look at some translations, what they say, when he talks about do not conform to this world. The New Life Bible says, Do not act like the sinful people of the world. The New Century Version says, Do not change yourselves to be like the people of this world. The Amplified Version says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture 
that you fit into it without even thinking. That's a good translation. J.B. Phillips' translation says, Don't let this world around you squeeze you into its mold. The New Living Translation says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. You know, we can't withdraw. We can't get into a little cave or move into a, a, a monastery like a monk uh, and, 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 and cut ourselves off from the rest of the world. Paul was the guy who wrote this, and he was a guy who was very involved in the culture. And he was the person, as the greatest missionary that ever lived, he was the person that went to these different cities. He went, uh, he plunged himself into these major cities in Jerusalem and Antioch and Corinth and Athens and Rome. He went into the synagogues there. He went into the marketplaces. He went into those lecture halls. And it was his purpose to preach the gospel to these places. But he says, don't be conformed. What does it mean to be conformed? It means to be squashed into the mold of the world. Don't do that. Don't be squashed into the mold of this world. The Greek word conform comes from the Greek word scheme, uh, comes from the English word scheme, which is a negative, has a negative connotation. It's an idea of a trap. You all received those emails from the um, person in Nigeria saying, uh, if you give 10,000 rand into our account, it will release money and we'll be able to access 2 million and I'll share the 2 million and within a week you'll have 1 million. I mean, you know, it's too good to be true. And when it normally is too good to be true, it is too good to be true. Don't try and get trapped. You see, the world tries to trap us. Satan is the God of this world and he's trying to trap us all the time. We see in first, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, the devil is the God of this world. And he wants to trap us. And it says, don't be conformed to, to, to the, the situation of this world. Don't be pushed into its mold. It's like that, that proverbial frog story that was in hot water. And, and the water was eventually boiled more and more and it killed the frog. You know, and, and it, if, if it had got into hot water, it would have bounced straight out because it was hot. But it got used to the warm, weather, the warm water and died eventually. And it's like that with the world. Paul says, don't be conformed. The world is dying. You know, in, in 30 years ago, Medlin and I had the opportunity to go to the United States. And one of the places that I wanted to go just to see was in Las Vegas. It was an awful experience because... Uh, we got conned and, uh, you know, the, we stopped at a tourist place and they said, there's a big, big convention and you won't be able to get a hotel room, but there are a couple of hotel places available. And if you spend $50 now, you'll be able to get a hotel room. That was 30 years ago. So $50 is, uh, I mean, it was a terrible hotel room. I mean, the bed was so soft that both of us kind of folded into the middle. Medler had a shower and left the bathroom door on and it was... Uh, steam was bursting out and the alarm went off, you know, the, the smoke detector the, with the steam. And I mean, this thing was so loud. I said, just change, dry your hair, let's get out of here, you know. And that was, we came back and it was off. But I mean, oh, but it was just an awful experience. We thought it was going to be, but you see, that's Las Vegas. Go to Vegas. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. You can do whatever you want. Huh? 
whatever you want, any time you want, with whomever you want, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. You can eat more than you should. You can drink until you're drunk. You can gamble until you're broke. You can indulge the flesh in every single way your imagination takes you. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But you know, that's the world. And I want to tell you the world is going to come to an end. It's going to come to an end. We need to really realize that the world is going to come to an end. We need to oppose what's happening in the world. Do not conform to those things. Paul is writing to the book of writing to the Roman church in the book of Romans. He's writing to this church. They're a spiritual church. They're practicing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They know Jesus Christ as Savior, Baptizer, Healer, Redeemer. They know all of these things. And Paul says, don't be conformed. How do you know you're conformed to this world? It's because you're controlled by the desires of the flesh. You're choosing things contrary to God and His Word. You're refusing to change and you become defensive about yourself. You're more concerned about the things of earth than the things of heaven. Your mind is filled with worry and with fear and with negative thinking. That's what happens. The Bible tells us that we are to be non-conformists. That we are to be people of conviction and not people of conformity. That we are to be people of moral nobility rather than people of social responsibility. We need to live according to a higher law, and that's loyalty towards the Lord Jesus Christ. And our ultimate responsibility is to the kingdom of eternity, and never surrender our loyalty to a worldly custom. Your priority needs to be first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Always. You remember, for those older guys, that very hectic rocker called Alice Cooper. Okay? Some of you rockers. I don't know, Albert, if you remember Alice Cooper. <laughs> he always had deep, dark mascara and wrote some awful songs. Terrible songs. Uh, some of the music was quite reasonable, but just terrible stuff. And he got converted. He met the Lord. Radical conversion. And this is what he said. Drinking beer is easy. Trashing a hotel room is easy. But being a Christian is a tough call. That's rebellion. Hmm. I think he's absolutely right. It's easier to get drunk. It's easier than following Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If you want to truly rebel, go against the status quo. John, in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 17, says this, The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. The world and its desires pass away. To look at the world with approval will eventually bring disappointment in your life. One day it will all be gone. But when you look to God, who created the world, that's where you find your safety and security. Look to God. Don't be conformed, but be transformed 
says Paul. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may know the will of God. That's the command for your mind to be renewed. How does it get renewed? We can't change the outside. I mean, my body is changing all the time, and I love change, but my body is changing all the time. I just spoke to somebody earlier, and they said, gee, the aches and pains as I get older. I, I wake up in the morning, and I have to like move very, very slowly here until, until the joints are very well-oiled and uh, things are happening. Uh, I look into the mirror and I, uh, my wrinkles are giving birth to triplets every single day. And my hair is thinning out. I go to the barber the last time a couple of weeks ago. He says, you're thinning, eh? You're thinning. Uh, you don't have to tell me. I know that. But I'm positive. I'm positive. I'm not, I'm not losing my hair. I'm just gaining more face. That's all. <laughs> We can't change the outside, but we can change the inside, the renewing that takes place. Our attitude towards criticism, our anger, our impatience, our pride, our ungrateful hearts, our disorganized, our mean streak. We can change all the time, but we need to have the transforming of our minds that are taking place. When the Bible talks about transformation, it talks about a metamorphosis. And a metamorphosis took place when Jesus in Mark chapter 9 was in the Mount of Transfiguration and he was transfigured from the inside. And the Bible says in Mark chapter 9 and verse 23, and he was transfigured before them. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them away to a high mountain where they were alone and he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. I find that verse fascinating. Whiter than anyone else could bleach them. But he was transfigured from within. And this word here, transformed, is a metamorphosis. It's like a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. The caterpillar has all the genes. It cannot fly, but it, when it produces a cocoon around itself. When it comes out, it's going to be this beautiful, beautiful butterfly. And we need to have that kind of situation take place. So I've written a couple of things down. And the first one is you need to decide to change. Spend time in the Word of God. Spend time in worship. We had a discussion on, on, on Wednesday night about whether it's good to listen to worldly music or not. You know, some worldly music is really... Some of the words are really throt, eh? <laughs> uh, don't listen to that stuff. You know, the tune might be good, but rather soak your mind. Be, this is the command. Have your mind transformed by the Word of God. Have your mind transformed by the worship songs that we're singing. Have your mind focused on the Lord Himself. Now, I'm not a grandfather. My, my, my daughters, they, they haven't even got boyfriends. I'm, I'm praying for them. I want to. I, I, I want to be a granddaddy one day. You know, I've had my my time. I mean, I watched some of the clips on YouTube where dads were changing nappies. And and I mean, some of our minds are fraught. They like they like, you know, you get this the stench, you get this, you know, and and it 
bites the back of your throat, you know. And so, so some of these YouTube clips are so funny. I mean, like everybody's going to go home and watch a YouTube clip on dads changing nappies, you know. This is like, <coughs> I mean, you just you gagging because it's just so overwhelming. And poor old mom has got used to it, but dads they only do it like once a week, you know. And it's a it's it's an awful. But, you, you know, sometimes you smell something within your child and you think, mm -mm, something's wrong. So what do you do? You're going you're gonna to take that child, you're going to hoi a lot of talcum powder and stuff on, 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 the, on, the, on the baby and then you put a new nappy on. But first, you remove the old one. You take the old one off. And we need to have that transformation take place. You don't go around with another clean nappy on an old dirty nappy, do you? Because the odor is still going to be there. Mr. Bean is pushing the pram along. <laughs> Start smelling everybody else. But there's a baby. I mean, that's, that's your first clue. <laughs> but true to Mr. Bean, he smells everybody else except the baby, and only eventually. We need to change. You know, we, there, there, there is statistics here where nine out of ten second marriages, it's no better than the first. The only difference is the name of the person that you're fighting with. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 35 says this, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. What brings forth good fruit? The good that is stored up in you, the treasure. Decide to change. Base your life, secondly, on the word of God. I'm not here to teach you about my feelings. I'm not here to teach you about my convictions. I'm not here to teach you about good ideas that I've got. I'm here to teach you the Word of God. The Word of God. That's the thing that changes us all the time. Renewed mind. It stays in the Bible regardless of circumstances. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm only moved by what I believe, and I believe in the Word of God. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, says this, We need to renew our thinking in accordance with God's ways. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And then the last one is, we need to walk. We need to walk in the Word. We need to walk in that truth. There are too many of us that come to church, and we've been in church for many, many years, but haven't, our, haven't had our minds renewed, haven't had our minds washed by the Word. And instead of growing up and maturing and becoming 40-year-old elders, we are still 40-year-old babies. Because we haven't come to understand what the Word of God says. John tells us in the third letter of John in verse 2, 
This is what it says. Dear friend, I pray that you enjoy good health and that all may go well with you. This is John. This is his prayer. This is one of the great disciples of Jesus. Be in good health. May all go well with you. Even as your soul, your mind is getting along well. Some translations say as your soul prospers as well. What is prosperity? Prosperity is more than money. It's raising children in a godly way. It's becoming leaders in your own field. It's becoming people who have peace of mind in troubled times. It's succeeding financially so that you can give to the things of the kingdom of God and to be able to lead and influence communities and cities. That's becoming a leader. And John goes on in verse 3 and 4 and he's talking to Gaius and he says, It gave me great joy to have some brothers come and tell you about your faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Hmm. Walk in the truth. Walk in it. Don't be hypocritical. Don't be hypocritical. A hypocrite is somebody who says one thing and does something completely different. I mean, a number of years ago when I was still a Presbyterian minister, there was a situation outside one of the members' homes and there was a terrible car accident. And she went out and a whole lot of the other neighbors came out to see what was going on. And she saw, okay, the person who's just had an accident was a guy that often came to church. He never became a member of that church that I was in in Moulton. In, in, uh, but he, he had been coming to church for some time and he was there. But as she looked at him, he started performing and carrying on to such an extent. He was drunk. He was drunk. And he was carrying on and shouting. And the language that was coming out turned the whole sky black and blue. Because it was just the most vilest language. And she thought, whoa, you know, this guy sits behind me every single week, uh, praising the Lord and looking like a real spiritual man. And then the wife got out. And she was even worse. And she was just like a banshee boy. She was just cussing everybody out. And I mean, she stood there and she was a regular member, very committed. And she stood there in absolute amazement. She came and she told me the next day, you know what happened to me? Skidam. But anyway. <laughs> but that's hypocritical. Is to do one thing. Say you're going to be doing one thing and doing something else. I would rather have a church that was uh, uh, had five people that were walking in the truth than 5,000 people that were not walking in the truth and were hypocritical. You know who I think the worst profession is that are hypocritical? Are dentists. Dentists. You know, they say, do not place any sharp metal object on your teeth at anyone. And the first thing they do, when you sit in a dentist's chair, is they take a sharp metal hook and they start scratching around your mouth. I mean, if my legs were cut off at my knees, I would be able to walk if I was being scratched with a metal hook in my mouth. And then they take out this syringe, this mother of a syringe. A normal doctor, a normal doctor goes, duck, 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 and he takes it out. But slowly but surely, they want to inject. 
And then they want to have a conversation with you. Have you been fishing lately? <laughs> yeah, no, I go there too. I enjoy fishing. I catch a lot of good fish there. <laughs> and then when they finish, they take... They take the syringe out and they put a, 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 a sucking hook that's inside of you and they go outside and they laugh at you. And, and, and slowly but surely you feel the one side of your face begins to slide down your skull and into your lap. <laughs> and they come back and they start to drill. And while they're drilling, you see and you smell smoke. Smoke! What? Smoke! What? Smoke! Where? <laughs> it's crazy. And then, <laughs> then they, when they finish drilling, they say, please rinse. And they point to a miniature toilet bowl that's on your left-hand side. And you praise God for gravity because you rinse and it just falls out of your mouth. But then you try to lean back and there's a line. That's from your lip to the edge of the toilet bowl. <laughs> and you try to be cool, you know. <laughs> and he looks at you and he says, oh, there's a rainbow. <laughs> hypocrites. Hypocrites. Nobody likes hypocrites. <laughs> and John tells us that we need to walk in that truth. We need to walk in that conviction that we're in rather than to be hypocritical. You know, if you're going to be hypocritical, you're going to be lukewarm. And you're going to walk in half-truth. Jesus said, I would rather that you be cold than to be lukewarm. And if you're lukewarm, what does Jesus say? I will spit you out of my mouth. I remember another experience where a guy came to church with his wife, and he's just giving her a go, eh? just telling her how useless she is. And he comes and he stands in the prayer meeting, and he, in the prayer meeting he feels a bit of conviction, so he says, God, thank you for my family, thank you for my wife. And then he says to a couple of guys, you know, I really enjoy my wife, I'm grateful to her, but it gets after the service gets back in the car and starts giving her a go again. Jesus says, woe to you who are hypocrites. Woe to you. Walk in the truth. Decide to change. Base your life on the word of God. And walk in that truth.